Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 106 of the Galen Trombley Show. I have um, Nancy Vesco, owner of Vesco Ridge Vineyard, and we called her laborer, Dan Vesco. Also made the, made the, uh, the trip up or down, I guess, to Plattsburgh. So uh, thank you very much for both coming on. And the reason I wanted you guys to come on, because obviously you own a winery, but I like people I like to talk to, so you guys are always fun to talk to, and we managed to drink wine during the podcast, which is a good thing. So that was basically it. I just wanted to drink wine with somebody on like a nice... You know, Monday before Thanksgiving. So. Oh, that's why we were here. That was it. That was basically <laughs> yeah, it. I, I knew you. Knew, I knew you guys would drink wine with you. You don't so. drink alone, huh? I, I I don't like to. It's a bad habit, but you know, some people do it and thrive on it. So we have to. That's that's it. It makes the world go round. But for people that do not know you guys, just give them kind of a little background rundown of who you are, where you came from, how you started this vineyard, which is still pretty young. That's uh, going in our eleventh year. But I mean, like over. I mean, overall yeah. though, pretty young. Yeah. It's not like this has been around for decades. This is still kind of a new venture. But um, you guys have had a lot of success over ten years because I remember when you first opened it, and it was like, oh, kind of like a cool little hobby thing. And now, I'm. I mean, I'm biased, but I'm going to say it's probably one of the premier vineyards in you know a, a pretty good distance from here. I don't know. I don't know the competition well outside the area, but. Um, I think you guys have made a mark over the last few years, not just in wine, but with events and functions, and you've really expanded from just, hey, we're bottling wine and you know, using this as a hobby, to now I think it's a pretty full-fledged destination point for the North Country. So whoever wants to take the lead from here, owner, laborer. Well, I'm the laborer. My <laughs> name's Dan. And uh, we started this uh, June 9th, no, of 09, June, June 20, 29th, and we've done it now for, I think we're in our 12th year. Uh, we started off as a hobby. 2004, Nancy's sister bought me a wine kit. Uh, at that point, I was drinking Labatt's Blue in a can. And uh, That's a fine it. choice, too. So uh, Nice Pilsner. <laughs> <laughs> and I made it, and it was okay. It was nothing special. And at that time, everybody, there were people in the area that were starting to experiment with grapes. What we have out here is what they call cold-hardy vines. Uh, they're basically a vine that will grow in this area because of the cold. You can't get California grapes to grow out here, they'll just die. Uh, where was I? Oh, um, so I made the kit. Uh, like I said, it was okay. Started talking to people, they had uh, grapes available, so I started buying grapes here and there, started experimenting, started putting the things together, and one thing led to another, and here we are. It started as a hobby for what? Dan, so when he retired, he would have this hobby, eventually Which, selling the house, building the winery. Did, uh, did you expect to be working more now than you did before? Actually, this all was going to be just uh, kind of a small business so that we could just kind of uh, supplement our income. And, and have fun doing something you right. like. Right. Yeah. One, we started 
playing around with wine and the next thing we know we had like 400 gallons in the basement and going well i think we might have to do something here. so yes yeah, so, so then we um yes yeah, stan made wine for a year in the basement and then went moved out to the garage for two years and after the second year i said my car will not stay outside another winter and that's when we built the building in the back of the house up on the hill and so we built that and then things just started progressing more so we decided well you know what maybe we should sell the house and put the house on the market sold it faster than we thought Mm -hmm. we would and we had to live in the winery from February until September while we built our new house because we sold the house. The where, where'd you live? In, where, where the showroom is now? In the back where Dan makes wine. Oh, that really? In, oh, you yeah. mean temporarily? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was really great. A recliner, big screen TV, and a 600 liter vat of wine. It was great. I was going to say, it was like living in college again for a little it, bit. It's, our clothes were hanging on pipes. Yeah, that, that's, and, I mean, I kind of like that. It's low budget. I, that's probably how I'd live now if I didn't have a family. Like, yeah very low key so you guys moved back um actually it's kind of it's kind of funny it start so it started with a wine kit mm-hmm. okay so christmas is coming so be careful who you give a wine kit to because they may just turn it into a competition competition <laughs> yeah exactly yeah don't be giving out your give out wine not wine kits um so what what drew you originally to wine was it just the wine kit i mean was that like out of the blue or is it something you enjoyed before well i'm originally from california san diego and we moved i moved we moved here in 92 and out in California, I've been introduced to wines, and we've tried it and everything, and it was great for dinners and stuff like that. It hasn't become an addiction like it is now, but uh, we really didn't drink a lot of wine. Yeah. We would have it occasionally. Mm-hmm. His parents would send wine at Christmas from California, and you know it was okay, no big deal. But we just started drink a lot more yeah well that happens yeah it's, it's so out, well out california was san diego where's napa napa's more north right it's probably an hour north of san francisco okay so from san diego that's or san, yeah san diego that's probably what five six hours seven no, hours it's, no it's probably 10 11 hours oh wow okay so yeah, about uh, 600 miles now but there's wine all up and down california there's uh temecula there is paso robos there's napa mendocino there's Probably seven or eight different, uh, uh, like regions. Regions, yes. Um, now, when the wine comes from California, because from my understanding of, of, I like wine, but I'm very like, I'm kind, I'm probably like just the notch above someone who's clueless, so I have a little bit of, of of knowledge, but not great. Like California wine is renowned worldwide. Is is it just because of the climate? Is it because of the grapes? Because you hear California wines a lot. You don't really hear of, I guess Oregon wine is popular too. Isn't there a lot from Oregon? Oregon, Washington. It's actually California, Washington State, and then New York. New York is really known for their whites. Mm -hmm. Uh, Washington's known for their whites, and California's known for both. And is Oregon one popular too or not really? Yes, they've they've got one. Because I always see a lot of Oregon. I don't know what what type of wine comes from Oregon, but I see a lot, like whether it's restaurants or, um, you know, to go to like a, a liquor store or something, you know, say something with an Oregon label. Um, but New York, obviously the Finger Lakes is probably the most popular when it mm-hmm. comes to wine. New York is really gaining on, with California, New York, as far as m- making wine. No, is it more the climate of the two? Is that like, what, what causes wa- like wine to be popular here? Is it just purely human element or is it because of 
I don't know, the soil? Is it because of the temperature or the climate? Is it? Well, it all started, I think, in around 1973 to 1978, the Finger Lakes started picking up in popularity. It went from, you know, uh, 100 years ago for maybe a half a dozen uh, wineries to, I don't know what's up there now, but I know it's over three, 400. And it's a microclimate because of the three lakes that are right there. Once you're next to water, obviously it stays warmer than, say, a mile out. So the temperature, the climate, all that has a lot to play with it. The soil is really good out there. So there's a lot of things that uh, contribute to making the wine the way they are. Plus there's, there's, some, there's some people that started out 100 years ago, 150 years ago, that really started the whole idea of what was going to happen and did a lot of research. The grapes that we grow out here, they're called cold hardy vines. Cold hardy vines are basically a French hybrid that has been cloned with an American rootstock to be able to withstand the temperature. So we're, we can only have, we can only grow certain types of grapes out here. So that kind of limits us to the type of wines we make. So if you had the wines up here and I've seen the, like, how many, how many wine or vines do you guys have? Uh, we, only, we only have like 500. It, but in that and produces how much roughly per year? The 500 vines, each vine will go anywhere from 8 to 13 pounds. Okay. So there, let's say 10. 10 times 500 is 2.5 ton. Two, a ton will make about 150 gallons. So we're talking three, 350 gallons. So there's five bottles in a gallon. Right. So that's wine. what, okay. 15, 1600 bottles? So that's pretty good then. Yeah. So then, one, so about three, three bottles per, per vine, roughly. Okay. Yeah. If you want to, I just break it like sim- simplify it down. Right. Being, um, what we're, we are licensed as a New York state farm winery, which means Dan can only make wine from grapes grown in New York state or juice that mm-hmm. he gets from the grapes. Um, so as much as he's wanted to plant more, I keep, putting him off no 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 it's a lot of work yeah so he will because he likes to make it more than grow the grapes so he will go to the finger lakes or long island or hudson valley area and get grapes or juice or we will have juice shipped to us and dan makes all of his wine is made at our winery gotcha not necessarily grown there gotcha okay that was my next question so you you produce more than um what are that 1500 bottles right. a year? Yes. And, and one of the reasons for it is because <clears throat> you can't make a great wine out of mediocre grapes. Mm-hmm. You know, so I really, when I look for grapes, I really try to buy really nice fruit. And that allows me to make some, what I think is some, we've had some pretty good wines. So when you ship, when you ship uh, grapes in, I guess, from the Finger Lakes, is they, they actually come at in like a, whatever, a container of grapes just shipped what like I, you would if you were buying fruit or buying apples or oranges or something out of state? Usually the grapes, I will go out to the vineyard and I'll pick them up. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll pick them up because I want to see what they look like. Mm-hmm. And But they're in large. Right. I would take out uh, 500 liter, 700 liter vats, put them in the back of the truck, mm-hmm. head up, get out there. They'll pick it the night before I'm there around 7 o'clock in the morning. We load it up, and I drive right home. Once I'm home, the process starts. Oh, so you do it quick. Like, is, is there's a certain shelf life of those? Like, they got to start within 
couple days, a week? Well, what happens is grapes have natural yeast in them. So once they're picked and they start to rot a little bit, mm -hmm. that yeast starts to pick up. So you want to get it back as fast as you can so that you can control the yeast. Wild yeast, it's hard to control. So you want to be able to bring it back, crush it, get it all in the vats, uh, bring it, bring the wine within the parameters of where you want it to be with um, peptic enzymes and uh, uh, tannins and things like that. Once that's all put together and you know exactly where your wine is with the pH, the acid, everything like that, the next day when it's all settled, then you add yeast to it. That'll go for probably, reds will go anywhere, well, about 10 days, whites will go 14 days. Meaning from the time they're picked to the time they go bad? No, or from the time they're picked to the time that it's actually wine. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Because basically what the fermenting is doing is it's just basically taking the sugar and converting it to alcohol. Yep. And then you drink it and the alcohol turns back to sugar and you get a buddy. So, so it's science. I love it. So if you, uh, so when, when you're talking about wine, you're talking about this goes in a vat. It's not necessarily bottled in 14 days, but it no. goes into a huge vat and it sits there, right? Fermenting. So basically they'll get picked. Dan will crush them. They get put in the vat to ferment. Once the fermentation's done, then he presses. Presses it. It. Because with red wines, you ferment the skins, the seeds, the stems, everything. Mm -hmm. And after it's fermented, then you have to press it. So now all you have is just wine. Pretty cloudy wine, pretty thick wine. And then at that point, you you've, uh, put it into a stainless steel vat. Or a barrel. Or Well, a vat. And then what happens after a series of about a month, all of the solids and all the impurities start to fall down to the bottom of the vat. Mm -hmm. At that point, the term racking, you're going to take and siphon the wine out of one container into another. And you do that over the series of, with red wines, uh, probably a year, year and a half. And what that does is every time you rack it every couple of months, it gets cleaner and cleaner and cleaner until the time it's almost ready to be bottled. Excuse me. And then you filter it. At that point, it's ready to be bottled. So you're basically just sifting it over and over again. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and when it's sitting in a vat, how many vats do you have roughly at one time? I guess full or... or I think right now we've carry. Got, we got 12 vats. They so. go anywhere from 300 liters up to, I think we got a thousand liter. And these are the big, like if you go to a place, they're the big, almost, they almost look like a, a, a hay, a, a hay, oh, it's a silo. Silo. It's like yeah. a silo, but a Silver, smaller. yeah. Yeah. So um, now this is in the backside. So where you guys have the tasting room, it's in the back section that you can kind mm -hmm. of peer in. Where you guys yes. do like the paint and sips and things like that. Right. Um, so do you guys, do you guys still label your own wines? Hand label? Because I remember when you first opened, I did it once or twice, I think. No, we do have a machine now. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah, we've, we've modernized. Well, I also was told, too, by, um, I think, friend of the show, I think he listens, uh, Steve. He, uh, <laughs> he said that he usually started out well, but then they slowly, the, uh, the, the level on him started to kind of move a little bit as, he, as the night went on. So he was, uh, he, he, was good. he was good probably for the first hour or two, and then, <laughs> and then I think it got progressively worse, which is probably why you had to buy the machine. <laughs> Pretty a little much. bit of user error, yeah. <laughs> Steve's more of a taster critic than he is a laborer. <laughs> you, you need that quality control? Yes. yes. Well, that's Nan. That's, I, make, I make the wine, she drinks the wine. That's, that's what I so, tell everybody. So how many, so out of 11 years, have you, 11 years, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, nine? Yeah. So out of 11 years, how many different varieties of wine have you made? And, and with that, 
because some of them you still have, I know from like when you first started, how many have stood the test of 11 years? How many of you have kind of come in, gone out? How many new ones have you brought on and kind of made their place on the shelf? How many, I know these are a lot of questions, but how many like actives do you guys still have? From the very beginning, there was the farm diamond, truck, farm truck, and poppy, poppy, and sweet melody. And we still have those. And those we still have. Okay. But since then in there, we've done uh, Chardonnays, we've done Rieslings, we've Pinot done Grigio. three or four blends of Pinot Grigio, Gewürztraminer, Shiraz. Shiraz. I'm just an echo now. Yeah. <laughs> the, so, and, and, but out of like, if you were to go Vesco's 2021, like how many different varieties of, of wine can people have? Like how many, how many reds, how many whites, how many dries, how many sweets? If you were to go into our vineyard right, right now, mm -hmm. I think we have 15 varietals. We have two sweets and then six, six whites. Five or six whites and, and, and same thing with reds. reds yeah. Do you guys do, um, is it ice wine? Is that... We, I did it one year. Mm -hmm. and I it, thought so. I wasn't. Okay. And it's very labor intense, and you're outside in 17 degree weather. Uh, no, we don't do it. <laughs> do, do you make uh, Do you make ports at all? Have you ever tried that? Port and ice wine are almost exactly the same. Okay. Uh, with port, because port's like a what's the what's the difference between a port and a wine? Because it's a variation of wine, right? What well, it. Very strong, I know when, that. It's... When when England and France were having their war, uh, all of a sudden England couldn't get any more um, wine. So England started getting their wine from Spain and Portugal. Well, in order to be able to deal with the trip all the way to England, they had to fortify the wines, and they fortified it with brandy, you know, Port or Madeira, Madeira, Spain, or Portugal. So that's how Port became Port. It, but is there's a difference though, like the way they not the way they make it, but I'm just saying, like if I drink this wine, has a certain alcohol level or whatever, and you can taste it, you can have quite a bit of this. Pour, I've had once or twice ever, and you have to like I was like sipping at it, and it almost right. tasted like you were doing like a whiskey or a bourbon or something. It's because where, of the brandy. Okay, and that's that's the difference for the they, most part. They added the brandy to the wine in order to fortify it, so it would be able to last the trip. Yeah, that's. So I wasn't sure if you, you had done that, but that was that was just a little aside. So the. Uh, so how many different variations have you guys gone through? Because you've got 15 right now that you'd have on stock, roughly. I mean, there's some that you've tried and just kind of got rid of. We've probably done maybe 20 Front, different yeah. varieties. And then once you have them, so take uh, Vinter's Choice. That's your favorite? It's one of my favorites. So that one, I'm assuming, is named after... The, vin you, the Vintner. The Vintner? Yeah. Um, so that one, is that one like, hey, we have the, the recipe for it, and that's just one we can make you know, pretty consistently, or do you get to the point, because I remember one year, I think it was Poppy, you guys had it, and then it was running low, people were getting it, and then it was kind of like, we don't have it anymore, because you got to really start the process again, so if you were to run out of Venture's Choice or Poppy, how long before you could restock that? We just, we just ran out of Poppy, and I started Poppy, which is Marichal Foch, is the grape, and I started that last year, so what's in the tank right now is Almost yeah, October, November. So it's it's about 13 months old right now. And I'm thinking that we'll probably have to go another month, month and a half, two months before it'll be ready. So how do you know when it's ready? That's yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah. it really just comes down to that? I mean, it's... So could you be... Hypothetically, if you... Because I've always, I've always been fascinated by this. Is there a certain time where if you control all the variables of making wine 
is there pretty much like it's going to go X amount of months? Like we know it's going to guarantee it's going to be 18 or 17 months or is it, it can kind of fluctuate. It fluctuates. You know, no wine before it's time. Remember that old one? So, so yeah. if you, so if you were to try it, say, say January, you try it and like it's spot on. That could really be maybe the, the prior time you did it, it was the month, might have been a month later that you tried it and felt that it was right. But it just kind of goes as when, so a lot of it is, I guess your wine, your wine, uh, sixth sense where it just kind of like, it just feels like it's right right now. It tastes just right. And a lot of the wine people will ask if it's the same from year to year. But it all depends, and Dan knows more of this than I do, as far as, like, the grapes. They change every year depending on the weather with the rain or the sun or the... True, yeah, okay. This last summer, the grapes that we harvest in uh, October were unbelievable this year because it was so hot. Mm -hmm. And the grapes didn't get a lot of water, so they were concentrated. A lot of sugar, a lot of fruit, not a lot of water, as opposed to the year before. It was damp it was wet and the grapes were a lot larger but they had a lot more water in it okay so the same grape from year to year changes depending on what's going on and is this true for most wines because again if it's outside it's hard to control the variables of it i remember way back when we first started and dan it's the first time he ever used strawberries for the first time and the only time he's ever used (laughs) anything other than grapes and the other vineyards in the area we all got the same grapes uh, same strawberries and every one of them every place it tasted different because of how they made it with the yeast or whatever well, I kind of messed up on well, that one. Well, his turned out like <laughs> Well, what happened strong. was, it, I didn't know this, but with, with other fruits, you have to add water to them because the sugar content is so high. Okay, yep. Well, I didn't add any water. So I'm, I'm, I've, I've got strawberry wine that's 18, 19%. I, I, you still have this in stock? No. no is this kind of like the secret menu? You kind of walk in and say, can I have that strawberry wine? I heard it on the podcast. Can yeah. I get that strawberry wine? <laughs> But you actually sell out, out of it now. That's it's it. gone. That, that last, that lasted a good. I left it in a barrel for a oh good my gosh, three four years. It like burnt your nostrils. So, well, I was going to ask, have you ever had any mishaps? Because like like anybody else, you're human, and you start like calculating. All of a sudden, you're like, I put the wrong grape with this or the wrong temperature. So, what is like that you could share with us that might be a mishap or something that you just thought like, you know, how foolish of me that I did this? I'd be, but maybe it turned out great. Maybe well, you found no, out I a didn't. new variety. No, I, 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 <laughs> Actually, I threw it away. Uh, I was doing 60 gallons of a Chardonnay, and I wanted to do something different, so I started reading about things. When the spent yeast and things that are in the wine after fermentation and they settle to the bottom, that's called leads down at the bottom. All the spent leaves, spent yeast, uh, the impurities, all that. So I read an article where they said that if you keep mixing that up in the wine, and letting it go back in, drop, back up, drop, it will add more flavor to it. Well, I did that for a while, and then I let it sit for a while, and then I did it some more for a while. And then all of a sudden, I opened it up one day, and it was like, it it smelled like meat. (laughs) M-E-A-T, meat. And I just went, oh, wow, tasted it? No, smelled it, no. So I tried different additives, different things to add to it, because... 
you know, 60 gallons of wine, you know, that's, so that's, that's 300 bottles. Yeah, 300 bottles of 15 bottles. I was going to say, there's no saving it then? No. Is there a certain point where there's just some wine, you just got to like take your loss? and Yeah. Um, but that's probably the only one. Besides spilling it. Yeah, there's been times where so, I, I'm racking it and I look down and the valve's open. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. I was going to say, how many, how many bottles have you just dropped and broke? I'm sure plenty. Oh, actually, uh, not, no. No? Not Good? Pretty steady hand? Well, the boss comes out and makes sure that, you know, that everything's going okay. You're not allowed to drink on a job. That's She pays you well, so you got to make sure you... She, she, <laughs> the, uh, no I'm, supposed to be getting, I'm supposed to be getting paid, but I haven't seen a paycheck. It's coming. It's coming. It's, yeah, that's what she says. We, by the, I heard it's by the fifteenth year, so you're doing, you're almost there. Um, the, it's like digging for gold, and you're almost there. Just keep going. The uh, so starting out where you guys are now, kind of growing it. it and I don't know what was the brainchild of this, but it might have been kind of a nice like merge of you know retirement, second p- job, and stuff. And you guys went from hey, we're going to do this hobby, we're going to bottle wine, we're going to sell wine. And from my memory, it was kind of you know small production. You kind of like we got the word out. We're we're doing wine now. If a lot of people in our area and beyond know about your, you know, your vineyard, which is crazy considering I remember when you guys started out, but it's now, I would again, a destination for a lot of stuff. You guys have a lot of parties, you have yoga, you have weddings, you have benefits, you have charities, you have trivia night, you have probably a bunch of stuff. I'm forgetting showers and things like that. yeah. Yeah. So what, what is, was that ever the intent, um, where did the where did the if it wasn't the I guess was it ever the intent and when did this just kind of grow from let's serve wine to let's make this like an event space? I think it just happened. It, yeah, I think when we built the building and decided to move and build the house up there, and looking ahead, we're like, hmm, you know, this is getting pretty busy, so maybe I can retire sooner than planned. And we put the, once we put the deck on, we started doing some showers and things like that, but we couldn't commit because of the weather. Mm -hmm. So we built the large deck and then put the roof on. And from that point on, it was like, whoa. Yeah. We didn't have to cancel things. Um, Well, and what what year was that, that you put the deck on and put, then then you put the roof on? Four years ago. Four years ago. Oh, that's all it's been? Yeah. Seems way longer, but okay, that's. Because I remember you guys had weddings out in the back. You had some stuff. and We did weddings for a couple of years, and we've kind of shied away from that now. Uh, it was taking away from our weekends mm-hmm. with our regular customers or just being able to do an event, a shower or a party during the day, and then music at night, and another one on Sunday, shower or party during mm-hmm. the day. So it, it was a lot more... Uh, it took away from what our intention was yeah. for the business. So we ended up just doing because weddings, you know, they'll they'll come and set up on on Friday, and mm-hmm. then their the weddings on Saturday, and they come back on Sunday to clean up. So it's almost a three day event, and it just we had other things going and trying, just it was too much. Plus the week of getting prepared, make sure the lawn looks nice and just... oh, hundred percent. I, I I think weddings and I know friends have done a wedding photography too. It's it's there's a like weddings are a big deal because especially, I mean, for the photographers is you kind of have to catch it you got to catch the moment you can't really miss or and i was talking to one of my friends who used to do what wedding photography and he's like you always carry a backup camera you always have one no matter what because your camera could just hit he was telling me a story his flash um or shutter on the camera he said the shutter on a camera i might be wrong in the amount but he said, i think can can 
snap like a hundred thousand times before it might break roughly like that's like yeah. the shelf life it's kind of like how long your, your engine goes in your car kind of thing so it right. could go probably like a hundred thousand like actual shutter speeds or whatever shutter snaps so he was doing this thing and as soon as he got back from like this like boat trip with the couple that was getting married and he only had one camera and he's like oh we always carry two for some reason he had one they got back to the and he was telling me the story I'm like oh my god you and he goes as soon as we got back i heard it click and i thought it wiped everything out he goes no, luckily I didn't wipe everything out. I got all the shots because my camera was broken. So had it broke on the way out, I would have missed all these photos because I had one. So he's like, we always carry two. And for whatever reason, he goes, I don't know why I just had one at that time. But I mean, again, you're trying to catch the moment of something. That's why to me, weddings, there's a lot of work to weddings, makeup and, and like I said, venue and stuff that it's... Well, just the emotion. What everybody's like, yes. I mean, people are very excited. People are very stressed. People are very... in like. You, you hope that everybody's there to have a good time, but there are, but there's a lot of people that are very high strung and, you know, and it's, you know, I think bridezillas are a real thing and it's kind of, or momzillas and it's just like, you gotta, I think some people are good, but I think the weddings are big. They're bigger than, like you said, if you have a yeah. trivia or, I mean, we had our class reunion there and we had a blast, yes. like, and that was perfect and I think we, we were able to do it in the way we wanted. We just kind of wanted to see people and have a couple of drinks and hang out and it was um, probably well, we've only had, I think, two ever. So that was like a lot of fun, though. It was like laid back and it was in the summer. And I was like, this is great. Yeah. We actually had a pretty good showing, I think, for 10 years. So that yeah. was cool. Um, so what's your intent now with, with the event space? Like, what do you guys, what do you personally like to do? Like, what are your favorite events to host or what do you want to focus on? Um, back to the owner. <laughs> <laughs> Organized owner. Um, basically, I we officially opened for the season May 1st. After the week before Christmas, we'll close. Um, we'll do events on Saturdays. It's Saturday and Sundays doing, uh, like I said, doing a private party or a shower or a birthday party, anniversary party, um, Saturday and Sunday during the day. We like to do our music, Saturday, live music, Saturday night, um, just for two hours. We kind of keep it easy. We'll start doing yoga every Thursday in May all the way through September. Uh, August we do our trivia just keep keep rotating fun stuff um, we do our run for wine in May mm -hmm. this would have been our fifth year so next year will be our fifth year but six years doing uh, it kind of opens up the season for us mm -hmm. and we do a for a local fundraising event uh, coming this May fingers crossed we had to cancel this year uh, for hospice of the North Country okay yeah. we've done the North Country honor flight um, we've, we did it for a local young man last two years ago, um, got him a wheelchair. Um, so that type of thing last year, uh, this past year we had another event we were going to start for the first time as another fundraiser and we're hoping to do it this year, um, a car show. And okay. do it as a big... Oh, great. All the other winners are going to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that one out. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Just sell them the, the, give them a strawberry wine in the house, right? Yeah. There they, we go. You'll get them right in there. Yeah. We, so basically, that's it. I mean, we just like to bring on funds. Oh, the other thing that this year was very popular, really, um, we do, we are Harvest Host. So oh. it's uh, uh, for RV people, campers. Mm-hmm. They can come and spend the night on our property without any commitments. We don't have to commit to anything for them. They just buy something from us. So with this year, we had we meet people from all over the place. They come spend the night. They hang out. We had 
uh, people from Burlington, Lake Placid, just locals this yeah. year from an hour away, yeah. come just because they needed, they wanted to get out of the house. Harvest House is a, a national uh, organization, and travelers can go from point to point to point, which is usually wineries, breweries, museums. They golf added golf course. courses throughout Canada and New York State, so they become a member, mm-hmm. and we are a host. We signed up to be a host, and they. Um, they go on and they look on the map and say, hey, we're traveling here. They call us a day or a week before and say, hey, we want to spend the night. Do you have space for us? We're like, sure. And it's one night. They just spend So do you guys, do you ever hang out with them at all? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure a lot of them go sit on the patio or deck or whatever yes. and hang out. Yep. Probably, probably a couple. Uh... We almost ended up with the dog this year. <laughs> From the one couple came, they had just picked up this two, no, month old puppy. And just, oh my gosh, if they wouldn't. Well, it was theirs, but another, we almost bought another, one. Another bottle, we would have had a dog. <laughs> would, 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 do you guys? Have, you don't have any pets? Do you? No. no. I was gonna say that I'm not a. We have a dog, but I'm not a pet guy. Like I just don't like the responsibility of a pet. Yeah. So I'm always like, it's just one extra thing you got to think about. And I know some people are like diehard pet. I have friends that are like love their pets, and I'm not that person. But as I said, I said be careful if you get a pet, just because the the extra. Well, maybe we, it'd be good. They could have been like I don't know the lassie of the uh, the Vesco Ridge, you know, yes. just kind of run around. Well, I wouldn't mind having a rescue dog that was probably 10 years old, mellowed out, mm-hmm. spent his last couple of years laying around and oh my God, it's just too laying around. It's well, we it's put like, it off till we that way said, I, let's wait till I have September. a lot in common with my dog. Well, I was going to say, I'm saying this is kind of like Dan's like, you know, spirit animal right here. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. An, so, old, an old like sheep hound, just kind of like. My therapy dog. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So yeah, we decided we'll wait till fall when we're, we have more time. We'll wait till winter when we have more time. Okay, okay. I was gonna say we're in fall, but that, <laughs> winter's good. Yeah, yeah, so you're about a month out, right? Yeah, we'll wait till next year. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's the priority after my paychecks, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> that's where the paychecks are going. The deposit. Um, the uh, so what? I'm assuming I, I kind of know the the idea, but who came up with the name Vesco Ridge? I mean, that just kind of naturally happened. Is uh, there a story behind this, or is it just kind of? Well, Dan, we started with names. We he put them on a list. Yeah, because I want to know. I want to know what was a potential. What's a finalist for the Vesco Ridge Vineyard, and then also, I want to go into how you pick out the names for your wines. Well, with the with the for marketing purposes, mm-hmm. it's easy if you put your name on it mm-hmm. because then it's there. They recognize your name. They look at Google it, and that pops up. You and, should tell and, him. And Ridge, we're on the. Um, what is it right uh, there? We're on the Esker. Esker like Road? The, yeah. yeah. There, there's definitely a ridge. Right. Yeah. Like so it's a geography point. Yeah. Right. Vesco Ridge. So we always looked around. Now, on a grapevine, the branches, if you will, that are last year's um, growth is called wood. Okay. So I wanted morning wood. And Nan said no. Morning wood? That's good. Yeah, I liked it. But you know what? Sunshine's on the wood in the morning and it's... But it was taken. <laughs> really? It really was. You should. You know what's actually funny? The amount of times... Have you ever gone on and seen like the vanity license plates and just played around with some of those? All the good ones are taken. And oh, I mean yeah. good ones. I mean ones you probably don't want to actually have in your car, but they're all taken. That's the uh, 12-year-old boy in me. But the... Yeah. Uh, so so Morning Wood got shot down. So that, yeah. was, that was one of the finalists. Was that an early, uh, early out? It never really had any chance. Didn't have a lot of legs. No, the bus. It was on the list, but that's bus does not. You just threw it in. It was a wild card. I knew. Depends how you caught her, right? Maybe (laughs) late, like three, four hours in, just slipped that one in. Oh, you forgot this one. But 
Um, so Vesco Ridge, I, I think it has a good name to it. When you talk about, like, I love marketing, but to me, it's it sounds good. I think I think it just sounds like a vineyard, but it does have a lot of meaning to the area. And I said again, putting your names on it, again, people know Dan and Nancy. I think very well now from. If they didn't know before, but I think Vesco just as soon as you say Vesco, like, oh, do you own that? Like, yes, we do. So now your wines, how do we pick the wine names? Well, uh, Vintner's Choice. Mm-hmm. That was my very first blend, attempt at a blend. Uh, basically, Marquette is a grape that we grow locally. Marquette is a, you know, let's say a cousin, if you will, to Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. So it has a lot of characteristics of Pinot Noir. I took a grape that I had bought in Long Island, Shiraz. And I took the Shiraz and I took the Marquette and I put them together. And it came out pretty good. So playing around with a little bit, I got the combinations, the percentages, how I wanted them. And I really liked it. It won a silver in uh, Finger Lakes wine competition. Oh. So I said, you know, Vintner's Choice. That's, that's what I chose to make it. Mm-hmm. So the, that's one. The farm truck red was... Uh, picture of a truck that Dan took when we went to Napa. Napa and so that's how that came farm truck red and then Poppy is a picture of my dad on the label when mm-hmm. he was a kid around 12 so and that's what we called him we was Poppy Poppy okay. turns out to be a pretty good marketing thing I, I like the everybody name. has a Poppy yeah <laughs> a lot of people buy that just, just for yeah because they have a Poppy yeah somebody uh, 46 peaks which is the Marquette by itself, okay. obviously because of the area. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the retailers that we sell wholesale to suggested that maybe we should put a name that's for the Adirondacks. regional, yeah. regional, yep. because people come up to the area and they just see things with that name on and go, "Let's buy that." Yeah, you know, so yes, they can sure. take it home. And that's uh, Marquette. That's a white. No, Marquette that's red. Red. You said with the blend, yes. yeah. Um, and then, like Diamond. So Diamond is, and I'd never knew this, but Diamond is the actual name of the grape. Oh, it is. Okay. It's a Diamond. Yeah, the varietal is called Diamond. Okay. What else it's, do we have out there? Uh, some s- kind of white. <laughs> is that the name of it? Yeah. That's it's some, a white wine. Some kind of white. I made a. <laughs> I don't think Chard- I've heard of that one, but yeah. Okay. Chardonnay seems to be a real pain in my butt. Chardonnay. I wanted to make another thing of Chardonnay, and I started making it. It was okay, but it just wasn't what I wanted. So I had some other, I had another white, so I took it and I blended some more with that and I tasted it, I go, it's getting there. Then I took another white and I added to it, it wasn't exactly where I wanted it to be. So I took another white and I blended some more. So this thing has six different uh, varietals of white in it. So And a customer, we were, we had people taste it all the time, he would have everybody taste it. What do you think? What do you think? And one day somebody's like, why don't you just name it some kind of white? Yeah, because, I mean, what are you going to call it? Because it is some kind of white. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's pretty much a mutt. <laughs> so, but it, but it, so it's a Chardonnay, and what was the other? Oh, oh, sh- oh who knows? So it's, just, it's literally just a blend of whites. That just, yes. And uh, it's some been, kind of white, it yeah. sells pretty good. Yeah, it really does. What, what, it, it's a very light, white, uh, easy drinking. Uh, doesn't I, have... Yeah, some people taste... I taste a tiny sweet to it, but some people don't. Do you guys do any rosé? Or is that... Yes, I've done two rosés, and the last one... We can't keep it in stock. Because those are more popular now than they ever been, at least from my memory, but I have some at home. I like rosé. It's like it's like a, mix, it's a nice mixture almost. He's going to have to do another one. We did a, And again, it's because the grapes that I grow uh, are not really 
conducive to a rosé. So both that rosé, I bought two grapes from the Finger Lakes and blended those together and made that rosé. So one of them is a Cab Franc. And right now I can't, for the last two years, I haven't been able to find anybody that would want to sell me that. So okay. it's been hard to come up with that. What's a rosé? Is that a mixture of white and red? No, well, grapes or? that would be a blush. Blush, okay. Okay, so if you take a red wine and a white wine, put them together, that comes basically a blush. A rosé is basically taking, kind of taking a red wine in simple terms and making it like you would a white wine. White wines, you crush, press, and then just ferment the juice. Reds, like I said earlier, you crush and you ferment everything. The okay. skins, where the skins, white, you Skins, the don't... seeds, everything. So what I would do is I would take these grapes, and as soon as I crushed them, I would take them out, press them, and then... Don't seat. let the color get into the to the wine because it comes out almost pinkish, right? Yes. Because um, the one I had, I had I bought a case of it and I had it um, just sitting in the fridge, not in the fridge, but I mean I would take it and I put it in the fridge before I drink it. So I take one or two bottles, mm-hmm. put it in the fridge, and just to have a stock. And this was during COVID, so it's nice to have a stock of it. And uh, I'd I'd pull it out. You're supposed to drink it cold, rosé, or no? Does it not matter? Or does it matter? Does it not matter? It's whatever for anybody. Because I always, I always think the white you drink more chilled, and then the red you just kind of have room temperature. So I always had rosé. I would always, I would always drink it more chilled than it would. Um. I, you know, with my with the whites, I like whites almost room temperature, maybe just a little bit cooler, mm-hmm. only because the colder it is, the less you're going to taste of it. The flavor. Okay. So you should yeah, experiment. Put you know, take put half a bottle in, take some out, and yeah. Because you, sometimes, you, like Dan said, when it's not cold, the flavor really comes out when it's Well, there's times, like if, I take, temperature. if I was to take this wine and I drink the wine, it's red, and I drink it room temperature, I, I'm not going to finish a bottle of wine. Like I might have a glass of dinner or something like that, so I'd always put a cork back in it, and I usually put it back in the fridge, which I don't know if that's the, the proper way or if you're supposed to cork a wine and drink it again, but I, I mean, I'm not a fast... If I have a... You get, what, usually three glasses, roughly, out of a bottle? And that's probably what I would do. I'd usually do a glass drink... Or, whatever, depending on what we're having for dinner, put it back, and I might finish it over, I don't even know, a couple of weeks, which is probably bad, probably drink it quicker. I just don't drink it that quick, so I'm like, and I'm not a big big enough wine guy where I'm going to find much of a difference, so I'll pull it out of the fridge, and I usually pull it out, trying to let it kind of warm up slightly, but yes. sometimes a lot of it will end up being colder. It'll help preserve it, but take it out and let it sit again, and drink. but a bottle of wine for three weeks? Well, I've never heard of that. Well, I I, uh, I told you I'm, I'm a I'm a rookie level. I got to get a little. Oh. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenon for the week. You don't want to be you don't want to be like me, Dan. You want to. I, I, I do, I'm not. You, you just you just you just, just say you you seem like a guy that you, you can finish what you started. And that me I'm a like I said. It sometimes I try to drink it quicker. I mean I like when I can pull a bottle open and finish it off with some people. Usually if you have a group of friends, if you can drink a couple bottles with right. friends, it's fun. But. Um, then there's sometimes I just my wife doesn't really drink wine that or doesn't really drink that often. She does here and there, but not not a big wine person. In her college days, maybe, but right now she's yeah. she's a, she's a mom and a little older and wiser, so she doesn't so, as much. So usually it's me, just like you know, depending on what we have, I have steak or if I have pasta or something like that, I'll, I'll have it. Depending on again, like I said, I mix it up. I do like drinking wine with food. It's the only alcohol that I can drink with food. I don't like drinking beer. I don't like drink like. If you have, um, I like I like the taste of beer and stuff. But if I was to go to a restaurant and order a beer before, 
I would drink a beer as soon as the food comes out. I will not touch the beer. Until, like, just it's not that I choose not to. I just psychologically I drink water with my when I eat because I get too full. And then after a meal, I really don't want beer at all either. So usually I, I will drink either wine or at that point I get coffee. Like at the end of the night, but wine I can drink throughout a meal without a problem. Yeah. So, so I don't know if that's is that that's kind of normal, right? People drink wine more within anything. Some people drink beer with food. I just have a hard time doing it. Fills me up too quick. Actually, I've seen we've been to a couple of restaurants where they really they even have a a, a beer a beer menu with uh, what beer you would drink. Like if you had this oh, the steak, what the would you food. drink with it? But again, the carbonation in the yeah, beer I can't just do it. Fills me up, well, and then I don't want to eat. I, well, I like um, I, I usually like drinking like. Like I like a lot of the craft beers and the local beers, mm-hmm. and like I, they're heavier beers. So it's like I don't drink a lot of light beer when I go to a restaurant. You know, again, that was more college days and stuff. You wanted to drink in, uh, I guess, <laughs> I guess volume more than taste. So um, I've I've grab, or graduated that way. But like the beer, I'd rather have a good beer and drink, you know, one before eating and then eat and just be good versus trying to eat it throughout a meal. I can't do it. But um, wine, I, I love with food. Like wine's a good pre, post, during. Depending what it is, it's sipping. It's yeah, you sip it, but I think it's it's smoother though. Like it's, there's no carbonation. And I think it just kind of well, highlights the meal better if you have it. So I'm not yeah. a big one on pairing. I usually Google what goes good with a steak or what goes good with a fish I'm having. If you have it's, a great steak and it's just juicy, mm-hmm. and you get a very, 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 very dry red, so one minute your mouth is full of juices and it's just really tasty, the next minute it's just dry, and you go back and forth on it. What's a good wine with a ribeye? Uh, what is my favorite steak? I would say, well, for us, with what we have to house, I would say the farm truck red. Mm-hmm. Um, it has, it's a soft, it's a, when I say soft, it's a soft, dry red with a hint of smoke to it. So the ribeye, it'd be perfect. I think I, I think I have one, I have two of yours. I think I have farmhouse and I think I have one, um, might be 46 Peaks. Maybe. I usually get a few each year from... Papa Joe usually somehow slips it into some bag that I have of something. So I usually end up drinking a couple throughout the year and then I get restocked and, and replenished. So I usually have a couple of yours in my little my little shelf at home for... Uh, cabs, cabs, Zins. I love dry red Zins with uh, meat, uh, with pasta. Again, with fish. Depend- well, I like the coming up with Thanksgiving now. Uh, you can, you can always... Go well with uh, Chardonnay, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Pinot Noir, it's a very fruit-based a red wine that goes very well with turkey and the stuffings. That's good so to know. <laughs> oh. no, that's, that's okay. I was gonna, no, go get it. You're fine. Go ahead. I'm going to talk to the owner. <laughs> so, yeah. we, we the, uh, so, but pairing with, um, with steak, so like with a turkey, do you guys, I'm always like a seasonal guy. I find like I, I get out of whites right around now when it starts to get a little colder out i find i hit more reds like in the winter mm-hmm. and then i really like the, the cold like the chilly white wine during the summer is that is that popular too or do most people still drink whites and reds throughout the whole year i mean i know people do but is it do you find a trend one way or the other more of a definitely like summer people drink a lot of whites yes whites um slush wine slushies in the I, summer so i, I was <laughs> talking to nick who works here and she's she was mentioning that because i got the best wine slushies and i'm like <laughs> So she's had them a few times. I, I've heard from plenty of people that they're big fans of the wines. Is that one of your big sellers? Well, it was this year um, because we, when we did the takeout, mm-hmm. um, I started getting f- fruit. 
and mixed it with a regular slushy because we just have one kind of slushy. But this year we did, I did a mixed berry oh, and yeah. pre-made them, put them in the freezer, and that was blackberry, raspberry, and blueberry. And then there were, the other fruit one was tropical, and it was like peach, mango, pineapple, and I can't remember what the other one was, but it was all, you know, just a tropical fruit one. And it, they were so good and sold like crazy. Well, I've, I've heard out of anything that I've heard that you guys sell, that is always like the one thing that people typically just kind of spring out like that. You got to get like, that. It, yeah, that, that that was very helpful during COVID this year. So what is your what is your best selling wine or most popular wine that you typically go? Does it go in seasonal or is there one like clear cut favorite? You know, we the sweet wine. Sweet Harmony. Goes a lot. Yeah. I just figured, I always, I call it the, uh, usually I know when people don't drink a lot of wine, and I'm going to go into a backstory here for a sec, but the people that don't drink a lot of wine, I call it, I kind of call it like the college, the college girl wine, which is just like the Moscatos and the White Zins and like the really, the really fruity, easy to drink, basically alcoholic fruit punch. And they're the ones that like people that don't drink a lot of wine can drink because it's sweet. I remember when I started drinking wine, I think... I was I was 21. I was actually 21. I was actually pretty good about getting into wines once I could because I didn't know anything before. You weren't gonna drink with your friends wine. So when I was with adults drinking wine, um, I remember it was you guys, Steve. I'm trying to think anybody else. I was kind of probably my my influences, which good or for good or bad, those were my wine influences. And I remember starting out with dry reds, and I liked them. And I, I like I was like these are pretty good. And I, I one of some one of you guys, I don't know who it was, told me like if you start with dry red, you're good because that's like the that's like the you're basically just went in head first, you know, drinking black coffee. Like you just went for it, <laughs> and uh, that's how I drink my coffee is black. So I just like I'm used. To, I, I just like the simplicity of it just being. So the dry reds, I really enjoyed. It took me a while to get into the whites. For some reason, I think I went beyond back in the scale reverse because I like the dry reds. I like. I now like more dry whites. I can't. I don't like sweet at all. And, and white, white sweet, red sweet. I don't like it. The I find rosé is probably always feels like the sweetest wine that I can drink. Even though it's probably not sweet, it's still probably dry. But I find that's a good. That tastes usually a little sweeter than some whites to me. But I don't know if that's just a preference or not preference, but just a taste bud thing. But the that was kind of the transition. So I went from dry reds back to whites and. I really like Chianti. That's one of my favorite, which is kind of like a lighter red, right? Because it's not very heavy. Or am I wrong on that? Because it doesn't never taste as full as like a Merlot or, or a, a Shiraz or. Right. It seems like kind of a, a smoother. I don't know if it's like where would Chianti classify? Everybody says Chianti's from what was the horror movie? Um, not a horror movie. Hannibal Lecter drink Chianti. Oh. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen. Every time I say Chianti, like oh Hannibal Lecter, I'm like I've never seen the movie. Like I, I, I've never watched old. I've never watched a lot of old movies, but. Um, I just like Chianti. It always tastes good to me. So if I go to restaurants, Chianti, like a lot of times I'll order it. So where does that fit on the spectrum? It's basically a red wine. Uh, I, it's definitely not. I wouldn't say it's, it's like as heavy or full right, body or whatever. Right. It's kind of Again, I use the term a soft dry. Yes. That sounds exactly and in my head. That's what. Yeah. Going into another, just to explain this a little bit. Tannins have a lot to do with dry red wines. Tannins is a natural preservative in wine. And it's that very, you know when you have a grape and you taste it and you get that that uh, velvety taste on your teeth? Mm-hmm. That's a tannin. 
And what happens in California, because it's a long growing period, those tannins really develop. And they're really a very, I don't want to say hard, but a very distinct finish on them. Whereas where we grow here, it's a very short growing period in, in Plattsburgh. And so the, the, the tannins don't develop. So it becomes kind of a, a softer or a, a lighter dry red. So Chianti's mm. more this kind of region, you'd say? Or is yeah, that... yeah. Well, Italy, yes. Italy. So where's the... Is France the most famous place for wine in the world? I know Australia. I know... Was it uh, Chile? I know... Um... They, would, they would like to think so. So <laughs> that's a very hot, ta- big hot take right now from Dan Vesco. <laughs> Live on the podcast, but they have a, uh, so I mean, France is like what Bordeaux and uh, Marquette, I'm assuming is from France. Well, Marquette is, again, that's a, that's a cold hardy vine here. Uh, for instance, Shiraz mm-hmm. from France. Shiraz is a very uh, fruit based red wine, dry red. Uh, when France was sending all their prisoners to Australia uh, back in the 1800s, they started taking grapes and vines and started growing it down in Australia. So the Shiraz in Australia is basically the same uh, Shiraz grape in France. But what Australia did was just made it a full-blown, in-your-face, high-alcohol red. And so if you take a like a Molly Duker, which is a, a red Shiraz, from Australia, and then do a Shiraz and compare it to a Shiraz from France. It's going to be a huge difference. Same grape. But uh, is that what the ones where they spell differently? Is that what? Yes. Well, Shiraz with a Y, Shiraz with a Z. Evidently, Australia thought if they changed the spelling, nobody knew where it came from. But sounds legit. That was a joke. Like, it was like trying to spell Shazzy. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to spell Shazzy, Shazzy, Crazy, Shazzy, Crazy, Shazzy. It's all all the above. Yes. I know where you're going with it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, but Australia, yeah, that's a big wine region, right? Yeah. It's Spain. Yeah, back in the middle 80s, Australia was just huge and popular in the United States. Everybody thought you had to have that Australian red. Uh, France has always been there. Uh, Germany on the uh, Rhine River and all that. Oh, yeah. They, they have some unbelievable... France on one side of the Alsace River and... Germany on the other side, Germany having more of a limestone-based soil and France having a little bit more of a um, fertile soil. Two same grapes, totally different wines. So when when you talk like a, like a Pinot Noir, like when, um, if you have that in different locations, that's just talking about the grape itself. So when you start going from different winemakers, it, like you said, it could be a totally different taste. So when you... Or when you say like a Zinfandel, like there's Zinfandels, a lot of people make Zinfandels, but they're all going to have a subtle difference because they can also mix it too. They can blend it. They can have a certain, right. like you right. said, maybe the, the ratios or the calculations are a little bit different, more or less of something. In order to call a wine by its varietal, it has to have 85%. So if you have a Zinfandel grape, 85%, you can be playing around with that other 15% and do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeast has a lot to do with the flavors. There's, I, I don't know how many different types of yeast there are in the world right now. But uh, you, that in itself right there can change the complexity of the wine dramatically. The, um, Dan, the diamond that Dan makes, people will often, because it's in the diamond. Shut up, Dan. We're gonna, you want to kill that bottle? We have a half. 
Just grab that one. I'm empty. There you go. Now take some. Well, yeah, I'm gonna take some. I want, I want you to have some though. See, I'm used to it. This is what I get paid in. This is every Friday. I get three bottles of wine, and that lasts you to Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Do you want uh, more, Nance? No, go ahead, you guys. What? Yeah, Dan can let Dan have it. We got to make sure he gets to the end of this. Okay. So, like this for for an example. I mean, this this is obviously very um, commercialized, I would say, at mm-hmm. this point. But so, winemakers blend. California 2017 and then when you start I mean I've I've read a bunch I mean this doesn't really have what it is just kind of says a red uh, blend they don't necessarily have to tell you what's the blend of right right so they don't have you don't have to put on it's 15% or or disclose it Um, now when they say like a 2017 we start saying the years does the year matter when you buy something because I know sometimes like oh that year is a good year or is because the grape season was good that year but does like how like this is 2017. Like, how long do we have until this is considered obsolete? Like, we should not drink this bottle. That bottle could go, depending on how it was made, how much sulfites are in it, and things like that. This bottle could go 10 years. It's not going to probably improve that much, mm-hmm. but you know, it it could go for a while. Have you ever tried a wine? Like, as soon as you get it, maybe have you ever like you had two same bottles, tried it, and then waited a few years, had the other one, found much of a difference. I know it's kind of hard because you might just be like, it might yeah. seem like it's better, but it's probably a subtle difference, if anything. Unless, again, unless you're drinking very expensive Bordeaux, mm-hmm. uh, the harvest date uh, doesn't really matter. Uh, people don't really look at what date, you know, what year it was. Most, 95% of all wines are pretty much ready to drink now. When you take it off the shelf, it's pretty much ready. Uh, it may improve a little bit, but chances are over the next two or three years, it's not. So when you take a cork out of a wine bottle and they say like, let it breathe, like what's the, I mean, can you pop the cork out, start pouring, or should you give it a few minutes just to kind of sit there and let some air filter in and, or air or gas filter out or whatever the process is? We like to aerate it. It's, it's kind of like gasoline. You got gasoline in a can, you mm-hmm. can smell a little bit, but if you take the gasoline and pour it on concrete, you can really smell it. Mm-hmm. So what you're basically doing is, is you're taking and getting air to all the wine by aerating it or pouring it into a craft. A decanter. Decanter. Yeah, like a big vat kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're basically introducing it and getting air into it and releasing all of that. And there may be a little bit of... Uh, gas buildup in it and that dissipates and just so you'll pour it into like uh oh, what was the term De- sorry, decanter decanter and then that which is just kind of a big vase almost like glass yeah. vase there are different ones yeah yeah different shapes and and so if you you pour, you pour it in that which will, again as it's pouring out would take on the air and then from there how long would you let that necessarily sit that... well we rarely let it sit at okay all. <laughs> i didn't know if there's a, that well the, i was gonna say what's the proper way and what's the best way? well like, the... on a good on a very very nice wine maybe 13 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, Enough time to pick it up. Yeah, okay. No, no. I mean, after you pour it, and even if you just pour it into the glass and you don't have anything and just let it bubble a little bit mm-hmm. as you pour it, you know, just swirl it around for a little bit, take a sniff, just, and then start drinking. But if you get um, an aerator, you should experiment Which we have and try it. We have available at uh, Vesco Ridge Ranch. Yes, yes. Um, you should try, though. Have pour, pour some in a glass and then pour some in another glass through a de- through an aerator and compare the difference. I I have I think I have an aerator it's called Yulo. 
Have you heard of that brand? U-L-L-O. And basically what it was, it was like this little, I think you put it on, I can't remember. I think you put it on top of the glass and it kind of like had a circular bottom and it rested Mm -hmm. and had almost like a little like um, coffee filter pad kind of thing Mm -hmm. on top and you'd pour it on top and it would take all the, is that sulfites out? No. What, what, wait, wait, oh. It said it did. Now, that well, could be no. marketing, but it pulled out like almost like a, like sediment. There'd be sediment that would kind oh. of rest on top. and Yeah. It's, I, we have a wine, uh, Vesco Ridge Red, right? Ridge Red. The Ridge Red, the Shiraz. I didn't Which... filter that. So it, if you look at it, it's very cloudy mm-hmm. and there's a lot of sediment in it. So that would be something you'd want to pour. And I didn't. We had a bottle the other night and if you drink it, then Dan, he we had some and it's good, but then he aerated it and it made it smoother. Yeah, and, the, and after just, about 10 15 minutes, it was great. It was great. So, a lot of it is is how the, the process after it actually gets poured out of the glass because mm-hmm. out of the bottle. Because there's, right. I mean, there's I know a little bit about it, but again, it's more of like I know of, of things people do, not necessarily the science behind it or why it works. But, um, now obviously you guys make wine, but I'm sure that you guys still try a variety of wine, always kind of comparing and contrasting. So what's kind of, what kind of wines typically rise to the top for you? Like which ones do you guys enjoy? Which ones are like, are on your absolute no list? I'm not drinking that besides maybe probably, uh, sweets. Yeah. But anything that really jumps out, like I, I don't like this variety, but I love this variety. I lo- I like Zinfandel's from, uh, the Lodi area of California. Uh, Mettler makes a, red wine it's it's a cabernet sauvignon but it really tastes a lot like a zin and that's probably one of my favorites mettler vineyards out of of lodi um josh makes some really nice red wines uh is that the company name josh josh Carr. that but that's a natural brand yeah uh i know is joseph is his dad that was his dad so he named it josh after his dad uh, actually, he was a not a local boy, but local in the um, Chatham, New York area. Okay. Started making wines. So he's a New York guy. Right. Went, started making wines, did really well, moved out to California, uh, and it's, it's a national wine now. Make some good white wines, too. Yes. So, it, so which, so okay, so yours is a Zinfandel, and have, Nancy, what's yours like cream of the crop wine that like rises to the top that you love to drink? Cause I do like Zinfandels too. Zinfandel, Shiraz, or not Shiraz, uh, Chianti, and then I like Cabs too. Mostly whatever Dan will pick for me. Okay, go with the flow. Nice red. Yeah. Red blends. Um, now, having kind of been in this little microcosm of like, because there's a few um, local wise. I mean, most of the the vineyards around here. There's probably how many? Four or five? They would say it would have five some, or six. That has some type uh, of a business, not oh, just like six, a little like yeah. out of a garage kind of thing. But some have gone away, some have come up. So it's it's basically always around half dozen or so. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, do you guys? Is there a lot of times I've seen stuff too where there's like you guys will get together, not like at each other's place, but I've seen like whether it's like a beer fest or whether it's something where I've, I see more than one brand there. Like you guys will go, or you'll have like little things that will have because uh, there was a place downtown once that had a bunch of wine and. It seems like there's there's a lot of different like local wines that kind of make the rounds, you know, whether it be at restaurants or whether they be like here and there. I mean, do you guys do you guys find that like the wine culture is pretty supportive up here between like vineyards, between people, between support of locals, I guess? 
I don't because I've never been to really any other vineyard but yours. So that's why I'm like I I don't know what the I don't know what the other vineyards have, but I think for us we're kind of a a local culture in that you've been to our place a few times, oh, yeah. and every time you're there, you pretty much know a lot of the people that are there. It's it's kind of a local watering hole, if you will. Yeah, uh, I think I think each one has their own specialty. Yeah, of what they do, and then the the a couple newer ones um, have their specialties, um, whether it's their tasting room or their gift shop or their atmosphere um wines i think we all do um like dan does mostly dry wine Mm -hmm. and i know there's one that does a lot of sweeter wines and everybody likes so we just you just tell people you need to go try this one because they might have something more that's your style versus ours yeah um but they're all um it's kind of um because is it kind of like a a wine culture kind of like as go like say finger lakes back in the day when when that was kind of coming up i mean i'm sure it was more than just one vineyard that really came to popularity so i think local wise especially i know a lot of the work like the chamber tries to promote with tourism and stuff is a lot around the 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 uh, vineyards and around the breweries and around the you know that if a lot of them are doing are successful it typically adds a little bit more clout to the area so i find like it you know do you guys find that the wine industry, at least locally, has improved over the last 11 years that you've been around? Do you think it's gotten matured more? Do you think it's, I mean, you obviously have come in. I don't know much beyond that. I was young, but like when you guys came on, it was pretty much the time I could like would start drinking wine. So do you find that the the industry has really grown a lot up in Clinton County? Or do you think it's always been kind of about this many vineyards and this much? I think it's always pretty much, it's still pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. I think what's happened though with with the vineyards that have opened up, and this has all started around 2008, 2009, that people have really come to a, to appreciate the local wines. Because I know that we have our wines at one of the liquor stores in town, and uh, it's sell it's it sounds like it sounds like crazy. It, you know, the the owner's done a really Great job for yeah. us. Everybody's promotes wines are, it. Most of everybody's wines are there. Yeah. No, I mean, that's local. good too, like promoting like the local. Um, mm-hmm. I know yeah. a lot of uh, restaurants have a lot of the breweries on tap now. Like if you go to like, you go to Hobie's, they'll have local breweries and yep. stuff. And it's kind of cool to see because you can go and get, you know, whether it's Sable or Oval or, you know, and get some of these places that are kind of making a name for themselves, but just out of not just their own place, but people can get them like commercially when they go eat and stuff, which is cool. Um, now, how has wine i guess how have you guys grown through the wine um i guess community wine community is that a good word for it like if you guys like knowing people not just locally but like traveling and and experiencing meeting other owners of vineyards and kind of picking their brains and um do you guys do a lot of trap i'll call it market research you guys do a lot of travel and uh (laughs) taste testing at other vineyards or do you guys stop on a trip do you make a point to stop by some vineyards just to see what they're doing and even if you don't even tell them that you own one, but just to kind of see how they operate a little bit. We definitely do that when we do go. We pretty much plan our trip on the wineries. We yeah. don't, we don't yeah. just happen to show up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, We go to Napa in February when it's rainy and cold because there's not a lot of people around. So it gives us an opportunity to sit and talk to the winemakers, talk to the people. Is this that, like an annual thing? Uh, not so mm-hmm. much anymore. But uh, 
Yeah, and and the thing is, is within the within the wine community, it's understood that if you say, you know, here's my card, I'm I have a winery right here, you pretty much get they, you get a complimentary tasting, mm-hmm. and so you get to taste their wines, you get to talk about it. Just the other day, we were in oh, Finger Lakes picking up juice, juice, and stopped at one of the wineries, started talking to a guy named Jim who was the taster there. Next thing I know, he and his wife are showing like up. Like two at our months place. later, they came to our place. Wow, you know, so he's in. Tasted ours and we've tasted theirs, and so you know it's. So it's kind of. I mean, that's. I think would be kind of a cool thing because you have a. You know, if I go down and go to a vineyard, like I, I'm like any other person on a Saturday looking to have a little, a little, you know, buzz. But if you go and really understand like the science and the nuances and the business of it, you know, I think it would be you guys get more out of it than, and the and the the, the vinters of of the of the vineyard are probably happy when they get people that come and see them because they can kind of talk shop i'm talking to you guys from a very layman's terms if you had someone that was here that was knowledgeable of wine your discussion goes much deeper and then you're talking about ratios and you're talking about you know the the, the seasons and how th- the cause and effect and i'm just sitting there i'm like how do you like sniff wine like how do you taste wine so <laughs> like, are, are you do you guys find that you're just open to wine like there's not you're not very picky you're just kind of like because i know some people can be wine snobs some people are just kind of like let me just try it I'm like i got my, just kind of roll with it i always tell when people come into the sh- tasting room because some people I are always, intimidated they yeah. are and the first thing i tell them is um i'll ask them if they like sweet or not sweet and then i'll just say there's no right or wrong to wine mm-hmm. it's what you like and if you want to have fish and drink red wine go ahead and do that but if you want to pair it with the white that will enhance the flavor of the food and the wine great but if you, it's whatever you like it's mm-hmm. not Nobody's going to scold you for drinking red wine and eating fish or chicken, or like or like a cold red wine or something, yes. or room temperature white wine or, or whatever. And if you like sweet, then that's your choice. That's great. Enjoy it. And when they do, sometimes we'll get they'll they'll taste and they're like, oh well. And then I'll get them to taste the poppy because that one I call is like your stepping stone into starting to drink a little drier reds, yeah. and. A lot of sweet wine drinkers will say, oh, I could have a glass of that. And it's fun because they get to really taste. And Do you, do you find that it's like a win for you guys when you get them to like the, the red side, the dark side? I th- it's a win when they discover something that they didn't know. Yeah. Uh, it's a win when they sit and we have a conversation for about a half hour. Um, it's it's a win when they walk away with a case of wine because they just <laughs> fell in love with something they didn't know about. That's what makes all this worthwhile is being able to to communicate with people about a, a subject. And and if they don't, sometimes we learn stuff from them. Yeah, and if they don't like, if they've tasted everything, and even if they didn't like ever, any of it or just one or two, they've tasted it all. They were they enjoyed it. Whether it mm-hmm. was their first first love of whatever kind of wine. Do you find that? Because I, I got to think tasting is you probably get a variety. You probably get the people that go in. It might be a husband, wife, spouse that come in. Maybe it's a, it, you know, maybe they're traveling. Maybe it's just a weekend trip, or maybe it's bachelorette party, or maybe it's just a bunch of you know, a couple guys, girls, whatever that just happen to show up, you know, and just kind of around like a a girls' weekend. They show up and have wine. Like, what is? What do you typically get more of people-wise? And do you typically get – I'm guessing and I'm, that – what do you think the level of 
amateur wine i say amateur meaning people that have never really done wine tasting completely clueless like i've never done this before but i want to try or i've done it like i've done i've tried wine tastings but if i was to go try wine you would still have to explain to me like start here and go here and i'm, I'm not someone that does it often and then versus people that are like oh we actually this is like a hobby of ours to go try wine i again people, a lot of questions but yeah no i think for us we get a lot of they come for the experience to have fun and just have a good time mm-hmm. we I don't think we get as many hobbyists that this is like, this is their goal. We will get people that they really look at the list. They really check it out and are more into it than the people that just want to relax. I call it our happy place. They just come, they want to have fun. And you can tell when you talk to them, when they start asking questions, what they ask. And that's when I'm like, okay, Dan, you're up because they need to more, no more, a little more. Yeah. A little more in the weeds. Of- but more often than not, they just are there to relax and have a good time. Yeah. yeah if you can't answer the question, she'll go, let me see if I can get the winemaker to put his bottle down and come out and talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> or get off the tractor. <laughs> yes. One of the two. Yeah. The, uh, but I think one of the, one of the things I like most about when, at least when you go there, I think part of it is just the, the vibe of the vibe of the, the ridge is, is cool. The vineyard is cool. It's just it's it's open. It's outdoors. It's kind of an outdoor feel. Um, obviously, it's very seasonal. So like during the summer, I think it's just nice to. It's quiet. Like I mean, I grew up in Chazy, but I just love the quietness of Chazy. It's not hustle and bustle. And um, again, being kind of set back, you can't hear anything, and it's just peaceful. And you're up, so you get a nice little breeze, and you get the sun. And I find that it's just a good place. Um, as I've gotten older, I've realized that day drinking is a lot more fun than night drinking. You're going to love retirement. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And, and then I'm at the kid mode now where I'm like, it's kind of nice just, uh, you know, so, um, so, I mean, I, I kind of, that's what I find is I do like if like drinking on a Saturday with friends to me is the most fun time to drink because it's just like, you know, a lot of, depending if you don't have a lot of responsibilities, like pass out at eight, nine o'clock at night, feel good, wake up at a normal time and tackle the day because you feel good yeah, and go, you, go to bed at 7 8 you still get 10 hours that's it you wake up and no matter what you're fine drink a glass of water for bed and usually you're okay so um i think what you guys have done at least from the location is very inviting and, I, and again when you see um are do you guys are you the ones act you guys post on social media is that you that do all the postings instagram facebook yeah because yeah. i mean you got a yes. decent presence on online which is possibly yes. positive considering a lot of the people going are on those platforms now because again we've done that with our business but you guys that have a lot of events um i think wine is as much as it is tasting it's a very visual um product also because your, your showroom looks really nice it's decorated nice you know it's 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 got the characteristics of something that pe- place where people would want to go and inviting and um and then i think mix that with like i said you get the parties and you got the the vines outside and stuff i think a lot of it attracts people from the visual perspective I think you do a good job, like tapping into that, because I always like I follow you guys, so I always like like the photos and stuff, and it's. But I think it's a cool, it's a cool way to to advertise and get you get known, because again, you guys have. I mean, what's the, what's the size in the last eleven years? You've gone from making how much to how much, and obviously a lot of it I know is is regulated a bit by how much you want to grow. But the first year we did eight hundred bottles, and I think, which that seems more than I thought it would be. And the, now towards the last year, I think we're around 75, maybe 8,000 bottles. Wow. I mean, 800 in one year, like go from zero to 800 seems like a lot of like 
to get your name out and say, oh, by the way, we're going to sell 800 of these of a product. And then well, we 8, didn't 000. sell all of them. <laughs> oh, you bought, okay. That's right. We, we bottled we bought, Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. We bottled 800. That's, yeah. That was a good year. Um, so um, so then now the 8,000, but um, again, do you focus, is more the focus now is like maintain what you have, kind of have it more as like, it is a business for sure, but it's still one where it's a labor of love and, and kind of a hobby. And it's like, we just, we just enjoy the people we meet. We enjoy the culture. We enjoy obviously drinking the wine. We enjoy the process of making the wine. We're at the point where I think we're we're very happy where we are. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of wineries in the area that are obviously a lot bigger and, mm-hmm. and are going trying to go nationwide and things like that. Where we are... It, we can it, handle it. It, mm-hmm. it. it pays the bills and we're happy. Yeah, because it's pretty much the two of you and then you might bring in some people for, for events and stuff. Yeah. And right. I know there's a few... Few local Shazyites that I know pretty well that we go there. It's always good to see them too. So yeah, if you want an application, let, that's you know. I, let me ask my wife and let, she's gonna love that. I'd be like, wait, we just had our third kid. I'm now gonna be the. Uh, I would actually love one of the things I wanted to do in college. I never did it. Was I wanted to be a bartender? I just never got into it. But I would love being a bartender because I went back in the day. I used to serve ice cream. I've had two jobs: serving ice cream and real estate. So I, I, I always tell people I don't have really a resume. I've never given a resume. I'm like I don't even know how to fill one out. I'm just like. The good thing is I got my first job at 14 and my second job, I, I pretty much aced the, uh, the uh, what's it called, the interview. So I did well. Um, Bartender would be like reality TV. I mean, you see everything. Yeah, but it was the idea that I could serve ice cream and I, I liked, I didn't, I didn't necessarily like, like ice cream, but I liked the process of, I liked serving people, but I liked making the cone really good. And I, I, I took pride in, I mean, this was years ago, but figuring out the best way to make something visually appealing, but then also to find stuff that's more efficient, meaning like try to make the process more efficient and try to find stuff that people like. And to me, it was it was kind of like a mini game within the system to try to figure out how to, what do people gravitate towards or how can we like make the flow of the, of the space better? How can we get stuff out quicker? How can we make something just a little better? Even though you're talking very small details, I like that. So then I'm like, why can't I just get to alcohol, which... People love ice cream, but alcohol is more of a social event. Ice cream is too, but ice cream you go, your family's with the kids. But like, I, I always find that like bartending, I think would have been cool because you could you got to you could know a lot of people. Kind of what you do, you get to know people traveling, get the people to know depending what kind of bar you're at. I think you get to know a lot of people, you get to learn kind of a skill. But I think it's a skill that is it's a very social skill. And I always liked. I never got into it, but I I always thought that would have been a cool thing to be a bartender in my early like twenties. And you, when you go to a bar and you order a drink and they know what they're doing, you go, wow, this is really good. Yeah. Uh, it, New, New York City, I think it was the monkey bar, the monkey bar, Mojitos. Mm-hmm. Walk, good. We walked in there and we go, guy goes, oh, okay. He made, I, I mean, he muddled, he did the yeah. whole thing. And that thing was just perfect and made the whole experience worthwhile. Yeah, and especially when you watch the thing with bartenders, when you watch, you watch their movement. The mm-hmm. ones that are good, like they they've gotten so good at perfecting the movement. Yeah, yeah, it's like they're dancing back there, and especially when like New York City is a perfect example. Like I've gone to some places in the city, and they just they're professional bartenders. I mean, they're they're they've been doing it for years, and you just watch like they're graceful. They know what they're doing. The ratios that they like talk and, about eyeing something. They like and neither one of them are in each other's way ever. And when we were, and I wish I could, actually I wish I could have come, a couple of the people that I worked with 
back in the day serving ice cream, it got to the point like, well, you know, my sister, you know, Jenna uh, Seymour, like yep. these, we almost called it like a dance. You never, we would move and you'd never hit each other. Because it was when you could almost read each other's minds like where they were going to be. And the amount of time I spent with both of them serving ice cream, it's like, I knew Jenna, like, I just knew her mannerisms. And I knew like, she never makes that weird movement. So she, like, I, I sound stupid, but like, she must have forgot something. So she'd go back and grab like something. And it, like, it was weird, like the, what you could find by just observing each other for hours and hours and hours. You were in sync. You were in sync and you never, it was always funny because you bring someone new on and you turn and hit, you hit into them. Because you weren't thinking, you never had your head really. Because you were always just like a kind of spatial awareness, and that's what bartenders do. They just they, they're in their zone, and they're just like they're like king of the court, queen of the court, whatever. And they just kind of move, and it's like a graceful. It's it's weird to think about, but it's just like a very it's a cool dance. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like when when Nan and I are behind the bar, or we're both in there, and it's tasting. We kind of know which ones you're going to take and which ones I'm going to take. And because you know, it's kind of like an unwritten, just yeah, it's just yeah. kind of like we've been doing it for a while. And but there's there's that's the cool part because when you started 10 years or 11 years ago, it, like now there's stuff that you do that it's like se- so second nature now that it's like now you're perfecting the smallest little things of the Natural. business. And, and it could be like just even the signs in your in your showroom, or it could be just the glasses you use, or it could be even just the technique you use on, on something pouring, or or my boss like, saying, Dan, I've got this, go away. Maybe it's more, yeah, maybe it's more like decisive and quick now than it used to be. Maybe there's no, can you please move? There's no please anymore. No, it's just, no, just, just, just that look. Move. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me? Dan, go in the back. <laughs> okay. Don't you have something to do? Yeah, yeah. That's, um, so, um, well, I guess, like I said, we'll, we'll respect the, the time of the vinter and the, and the owner and the laborer. Um, it's actually, this is actually a good pretty quiet then for you guys right now going into yes. winter it's mm-hmm. kind of like maybe a little bit of a down probably a, probably a nice welcome downtime very much so. let you recharge the batteries and yeah. again have, market research a little bit for potential i have one wine that's finishing fermenting that'll probably be in a tank in a day or two but then i have to rack every one of the wines and what do we get? But with everything going on, it's an, you're like a it's, month earlier than usual. And okay. with not as much activity, Nan right now would be piling people into the back room and doing the music and everything. And since we don't really have that, I have my space to be yeah. able to do stuff. We don't have like the, the, like the paint and sips aren't really happening now. And no. so a lot of the events that you normally would have being kind of put on hold, it, it's, it's kind of weird, but I think that... Uh, I'm kind of welcoming right now. It's not as chaotic as it was like three, four months ago. And usually I'm always like, go, go, go. And I found that this year I've able, I think a lot of it had to do with like hanging out with, you know, Gina and the kids every day for a few months, which was just something I wasn't used to. To now it's like, you know what? I kind of like, you know, the little bit of a quiet time and going home and just relaxing and not kind of just spending time and not figuring out like I could go 110 miles an hour all the time. So it's kind of, I'm like really liking right now that November has been good. Hopefully December is kind of a, Little mellow, could ramp back up. I'd say probably February. Give me a few months. Give me about a kind of like a summer vacation, just a I guess. Vacation. Yeah, yeah, it's nice just to let your mind recharge and stuff. So, um, and hopefully, from what I've been reading and things with the vaccine and everything, hopefully we'll get back to normal around May first. That'd be great, or at least halfway back to normal. Well, I think I think well the other thing too is I mean you see you've seen so many little small businesses go under in this oh. time and it's sad because it's a, a lot of it's out of their control and you have like here you have i mean obviously it's a pandemic but you have people that are healthy willing and able to work and are being told not to and then it's like they're going under and it's um it's it's, it's very sad. luckily 
I don't think we've seen as much as other places. I think, you know, the North Country, I think we've, people have kind of done pretty good. I know a few places have gone under, but I think everybody's kind of had to like tighten up a little bit, but hopefully everybody gets through 2020. And it's just kind of like a little bit of a dip and then they can like, again, especially you guys that rely on, you know, whether it be people traveling out of the area or extra income. I don't know. I mean, some people probably the alcohol consumption has gone up. So maybe that does work. I drank more during COVID than I think I ever have in my life because I was like, why not? Yeah, I think a lot of people. Well, I was like, I don't got to commute to work tomorrow, so like, I know I've never weighed as much. (laughs) It's all about balance, though. It's it's good. It's yeah, and that's kind of off. That's well, I was gonna say it's either you got you got only one shoe on, or you've had one more glass than you should have. But either way, the so um, if people want to find you, where where can they reach out to you? How can social media? Where can they find you? Where Uh, where are you located? Facebook, uh, Instagram. We have a website. Um, We're you know, right? Um, call, definitely call, text. I'll put some info in the show notes. But uh, Stratton Hill Road, one sixty-seven Stratton Hill Road, West Shazy, New York. And then um, anything, anything new and exciting coming in twenty twenty-one that we can hopefully any, we any will... carrot we can dangle for the listeners. Well, let's let's uh, we're gonna start positive attitude here with opening up May first, outdoor events, everything we can do, and we'll. Have our our run for wine in May. Wine slushies. Wine slushies. We have wine dip. We have wine. wine. Yes, um, we have wine dip. We have brownies. Chocolate wine sauce. We have wine. Uh, you mixes for wine. Brownies. Do you make those? Are these stuff you guys make and like the, uh, you infuse the brownies with the, the jellies, jellies and the salsa. And the salsa. The um, you guys personally make these? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. And then um, and the dips. We have the packages where you can mix it. Um, with the wine um, and then the slushies we have um, we make them but we also have packages that you can take and I can tell you how to easily make them at home I know a lot of friends that are, are big uh, big slushy wine slushy people I'm yes. sure you know who they are too they, they travel there in, in slushies they, they, slushy I would say local slushy water ice. water yeah, they, prob- they probably got a membership number right they got a, a yeah. card yeah yes yeah. yeah. seven where we are um Participating in the Small Business Saturday this November thirtieth Saturday. No, not thirtieth this year. 25th. No, it's a, I'm Saturday. so confused on the date. Twenty fourth. Twenty. What's today? The twenty third. Oh, twenty oh, third. Twenty. So it's this, this Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. What the Saturday after Thanksgiving? Yes. This will be out today. So okay, and then, so later today. So this will be, whatever you're saying. People should be able to hear this prior. Okay, so, so the first Saturday in December will be our holiday open house. Oh, we have a mulled spice wine that we make that I we have the tea bags can teach you how to make that. But we'll be sampling every, a lot of this stuff too, this weekend and our open house weekend. We've got some wine specials, drawings for gift basket, and any new kind of wines coming out for next year. Do you have any new varieties? Any? We just bottled our Chardonnay. Yes, which was which good for Thanksgiving. I finally and Christmas. got it right. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Now, which one's what's Chardonnay called? Uh, that's it's just the grape. That's it's the just name of it. Chardonnay. Oh, it is short. Okay. Yeah. He didn't give it a special name. Um, let's see what else. Uh, yeah. So for next year too, just we're gonna... more of the same. And again, you have yoga, you have trivia, and this is this is a kind of month like monthly. You kind of you mix it up a bit. Yes. So kind of what kind of events like? So in May we'll do our run for wine. Well, yoga will start May through September, which August, is on Thursday, which is th- every Thursday. August is the only month that we do the trivia on Wednesday nights. Um, 
Hopefully we'll have our... Have you done trivia more or has it always been just for one month? Just on one month. Because you guys do very well on that. that, We do. I've I've only been once. That was the one time I went. That's the only time I went. And we basically just played with the soccer ball with the kids out in the field. But um, there's a ton of people there. Oh, and that was spaced out socially. Yeah, that was spaced out. Yeah. So usually... It's double? Oh, uh, yes. We usually have 75, 80 people. The year before? We've had 20-some yeah. plus teams, usually. Because I know my parents go. And I know other people that go. And I've heard some of the names that go. Yeah. And uh, and again, um, the uh, Alec Trebek of the North Country. Yes. yes Steve Patton. Steve We'd be remiss if we didn't mention him. That's fully right. On. That's right. He's a wonderful. He does our trivia for us. We have the food truck for, uh, for um, trivia. Came, right? uh, yeah, they're, the they're Twisted great Pita job. Truck. Yes, they're great. They come a lot. Um, lots of private parties. Um, Riesling to relax. We didn't do this oh, year. Oh, we didn't do our Riesling to relax this year, which is um, Becky West does um, sets up chair massages. Oh, okay. And it's um, usually the last Friday of the month, starting May, June through the fall. And, and last year we did it in the winter a little bit inside. And it's uh, you get a uh, we do a ten minute chair massage, a glass of wine Hot. or beer. How does, I was going to say, how does wine and, and massage work? It's great. I was going to say, that got to loosen you right up. Some people have it before. Some people have it after. Oh, I would have it before. And some we people were... have it before and after. Yeah. I mean, I should say I'd have it before and after, but I would definitely have a little bit before. Oh, yeah. Because I think you just loosen right up and you're just like a It's great. Mush. We started out the first year with Becky, and then we last year we had four different, we had four chair massage people. Wow. That's doing, awesome. Out on the deck, it was beautiful, and this year, of course, we didn't do it, but hopefully next oh, that's year a great we'll idea. start. I'm glad you remember that, Dan. Yeah, we'll yeah that's my that job. Up and hopefully we'll do some <laughs> That's more. why I get the big bucks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> well, uh, I, I want to thank you both for coming on. That wasn't too bad. No, it was you did good. Thank you. I told you, I, usually the prerequisite is if you can talk and tell a story, you're usually pretty good. So I figured, especially the wine, you know, get our kind of, like I said, low-budget wine today, and Actually, what, it was really nice. The, the wine was good. We got yeah. we finally got it open, and I didn't have the best wine uh, corkscrew, but it was more of a gag gift than an actual product to use. So it got us there. It worked. And the mugs allow us to kind of keep it contained, where we can at least drink out of them. Right. And if you're looking for a corkscrew, we have those on available. I, sh- I should have. I should have told her to run up. I said they're not there. Just grab it. <laughs> Give you the code to get in. That, that's it. So. Um, so, Dan, Nancy, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, if you guys want, again, please reach out to them. They do events all year long, right? Uh, scheduled and yes. private stuff. We do ways. carry beer also for those non-wine drinkers. I actually find that I drink more beer when I go to your place than not. Because yeah. it depends on the crowd. But usually you have we stuff on tap. So. craft beer yeah. and um, regular beer. I get switched so. back last time I went. But you usually always have yeah. some type of yep. local craft. So Usually yep. two, two draft beers and cider. Hard cider. And, oh, then, yeah. yep. and then all of the domestic beers that people want. And, uh, Seltzers and everything else. That's it. No, it's good. It's a lot, it's, it's a good. It's a very good ambiance. So, guys, if you have not checked checked out Vesco Ridge Vineyards in uh, West Shazy, I was gonna say Shazy, West, okay. West Shazy, New York. Please go. They do a fantastic job. So, thank you very much. Um, and that is it. Episode one hundred and six of the Galen Trombley Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.